Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Still in our series, the Trusting Through Transition series, which has been a bit of an ab- aberration from our Ephesians series, but it's, it's been a pleasant one to think about how we frame transition. And there are a lot of transitions that we have in life that are um, from from death to sickness to people moving away to, you know what I'm saying, like changing jobs to uh, we all have these transitions that we have and we have to walk through. And sometimes we go through kicking and screaming. And other times we go through joyfully. Sometimes we go through mournfully. Um, but know that, that Jesus is there with us even more in the midst of our transition. Um, and so today I just wanted to talk about how do we go from the water to the fire. Now, that is very metaphorical in some ways, but it is how do we begin to, to see God is more than just a place we go to repent for our sins. How do we see God? This is sort of, um, in some ways, an extension of the Easter message, which is we're going before the cross but after the resurrection. And um, sometimes in messages I'll touch on something, and then later on I'll revisit it like, oh, it's a little more butter there. It's, it's a little more there. So um, this one is how are we going from water to the fire? How are we beginning to transition in life? Now, these are two pictures that we took in the same place. They don't look very similar. Um, but this was in Jacksonville, Florida. And this was the beach. And this was a fire that, that uh, we, we um, had there. And they had these little packets that you can buy. And when you poured them into fire, they, like, exploded and made all these different colors. So that's why that fire looks a little strange. But <laughs> fire traditionally has this cleansing process. It's about our baptism, our public um, declaration of our salvation. We get baptized and we go into the water. Um, fire is another baptism that must happen. It is through the Holy Spirit that it does happen. Um, but it's interesting that we are more known for our water baptism than we are known for our fire baptism. And so I'm going to um, talk about today how do we begin to stir up a hunger for the Holy Spirit? How do we start, stir up a hunger for all that the Holy Spirit is doing? This is taking a bit of a long look towards the last Sunday of the month which will be our last Sunday here, but that is Pentecost Sunday. That was the day 50 days after Jesus ascended into heaven that he said, I'm going to send you a comforter, a helper, who will lead you and guide you into all truth. But yet and still, most believers are really stuck at the water. We're really stuck at the water, which um, has uh, symbolic tendencies for us. And it's, it's amazing us to be baptized. Some of us, you know, have been baptized. Maybe some of us haven't as a public declaration. You are still in the kingdom. If you accepted Jesus in your heart, that means that he's still, uh, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Um, But I just want to talk about that transition in the Bible, that transition in history from going from water to fire. This verse is in Matthew 3, 11 through 17, if you don't want to turn there. 
I have the scripture here. And this is Jesus um, being, this is John speaking, but this is the moment where Jesus comes and is baptized in the Jordan River, which the Jordan River has a lot of historical um, importance. This is the place that the children of Israel stepped over when they entered into the promised land. In the flood stages of the Jordan, it could be up to 20 to 40 miles wide. So when you talk about like um, Jesus being baptized in this place or the children of Israel crossing over into the promised land, it was a, a large mass of area. Um, but so Jesus is, is coming here to be baptized by John, who is technically the last of the Old Testament prophets. Say Old Testament. And also that is Old Covenant. Say Old Covenant. Now, it doesn't mean that it's a lesser covenant. It doesn't mean that it's, it just means Jesus replaced it with his own body as a new covenant and a promise that we have in Jesus. Where before we would search the scriptures for things that we should do, you know, thou shall not do this. Thou shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not steal. But now that law is found in love and it's found in a person now. So it's not in a scripture necessarily of this list. Anybody likes lists? You know, you're just like, all right, give me the list of the things I need to do. I hear you talking about, I could be very abstract. My wife is very listy, listy Liz. So she likes her, you know what I'm saying, all her things. Uh, so we're like, give us the list, Lord. And he's like, no, I'm not going to give you a list. I'm going to give you a person who is also God, and that's Jesus, right? And so Jesus is at this moment where he is being announced and pronounced as a savior, as a Messiah of the world, which in Jewish culture, whenever a male turns about 30, they were taken outside of the gate or to the city center, and their father would say, this is my son now, he speaks for me then you would know that your son was free to do all the business as if he were the father. This is the context of Jesus coming to be baptized by his cousin John, who was a traditional Old Testament prophet, eating honey and locusts in the wilderness and dressing in hairy uh, hides of animals, and he had a leather belt. He was just a rough guy, right? But Jesus is showing this new covenant and this new testament that we're standing, stepping into. And this is John. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Say repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Woo-wee! And Jesus came from Galilee to John as a Jordan to be baptized by him, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. 
This is important for a number of reasons. Like I told Jesus is stepping into even the Jewish cultural thing where father declares his son able to speak on his behalf. This is what God said about his son and Jesus had done no miracles. He had raised no one from the dead. He had multiplied no food. From that we take Jesus, even in the midst of transition, is loved and appreciated without having done an effing thing, right? That we sometimes gather our worth from all that we do and all that we hustle and all that we make and the titles that we have. Jesus had no title except for being a son of God. And God is like, this is my beloved son. But then there is a contextual and historical transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's a new day. And it may seem something as as light as this happening. Um, Hold on one second, I forgot my notes. (laughs) It may be as light as something happening right here at the Jordan, but it was very important historically um, for the people of God and for us. John is baptizing with water. I baptize you with water unto repentance. What is it about repentance that is very similar to water. Anybody ever been to the beach, right? Has anybody only been to the beach one time? No. You keep going back, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, this is amazing. I got I to gotta, like do this again. This is, this is awesome. You come back again. That's the thing about repentance, right? Repentance and water. To be baptized, you must return. I must continue to return to this water. Even the priests in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice the livestock, the sheep, um, year after year after year to atone for the sins of all of Israel. I baptize you unto in water unto repentance. This was John's representative way that he was standing with the Old Testament prophets. Yet and still, we baptize with water in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit But what is the way that Jesus said, the way that John said Jesus would baptize with fire? That is winnowing. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Water is repentance. But the Holy Spirit is the fire, that it is something that continues to burn and continues to stir up a passion in us. And there is always more. You're probably wondering, preacher, how do I stir up a desire and a passion for the Holy Spirit? I don't know how to do that. Oh, I'm going to get to that. Don't worry. And it's even in a nice analogy so you can remember it well. (laughs) Unquenchable fire. The winnowing fan was also called a fork. Have you ever seen, you know, farmers stick their forks in a, a pile of hay or something? You would do that with a pile of wheat, and you threw it up in the air, and then when the wind came through it, it would take away the lighter chaff, and the wheat would fall in the threshing floor. This is what Jesus is doing. He is getting rid of the chaff. That is the refining fire that takes away all the things that are not like him, right? But he's moving things even 
along. That we get, you know, we dip in water, we're, we're baptized, and it's a very symbolic thing. And then the water dries eventually, right? <laughs> and then maybe we do something and we feel bad about it again. So we go back to the water again. Father, help me. I need your help. Please, I repent for this. And we do this transition over and over and over again. But at this time, Jesus said, no more. That yes, it is very symbolic for us to return to the water and to be baptized, but you don't have to keep going back to the water to repent over and over and over. But I feel bad about it. Why do I feel so bad, God? You, I got to do something about this. That the baptism of Jesus is an unquenchable fire and it burns up everything that is not like him. This is currently where we are even as a church. This is a transition that makes us confront the method and the maintenance of our relationship with God. We must think, are we making God out to be a cop? <laughs> Why do people don't always have the best view of cops, right? Because they show up when bad stuff is going on. And so in that context, we go, well, I don't really, you know, it's not someone that I would want to invite to a barbecue, right? Because they show up, and when the lights show up, bad things are going on. You think God always just wants to show up when bad stuff is going on with us? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a, cool, sign me up, I'll be there. But I think he has such a desire to be close to us that he'll take it. Whatever is going to drive us to him, he will take it. But I think his heart and his desire is to look at the method and the maintenance of our relationship. That when things are going good, can we be still decide to be close to him? He has taken us from the repentance of water to the unquenching nature of fire. That there are some things that, some places that water can take us, but there are some places that only the fire of the Holy Spirit can. His power, this power that Jesus left for us to burn completely through the darkness. In Exodus 14, this is the time of the children of Israel who are leaving Egypt, and they're running, man, and the armies of Egypt are behind them, and a sea is in front of them. And there's this little detail in this passage that I never noticed before. Um, and it says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front of them and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near each other all night long. Traditionally, how I thought of this passage is, children of Israel, okay, they're leaving Egypt, and when it's daytime, they're led by a pillar of cloud. And when it's nighttime, they're led by a pillar of fire, which is what this is saying, sort of. But when this goes behind them to protect them from the armies that are pursuing them, it becomes to the armies 
darkness, but to them it is light. To them, to one, it is confusion, it is utter nonsense. They don't know where they're going or what, who they're supposed to be pursuing. But to the other, it is fire and light and beauty. I think, I talk about <laughs> that we are the year before 2020, we were singing the, one of the most popular songs was Refine, Refiner. <laughs> I want to be tried by fire, purified. And it's a good sounding song, but it's also a prophetic declaration. God, I want to be refined by your fire. And then 2020 comes, we go, oh, we didn't really mean it that way. We didn't really mean that we wanted to have things pruned from us. We didn't really think that we wanted to be refined and focused down to the most essential part, right? The most essential parts of our life, the most essential parts of things that we do. We were cutting things off right and left, and then we really found what was the most important. And what was the most important? Family being together with each other, and people being safe. That we were being refined. The fire to us much look, must look different than the darkness to the world. That the world is thrown into confusion when they can't see their way. But we always have the light of the Holy Spirit that's lighting our way. But it is necessary for us to leave the water of repentance. And then a little while later, they fled into the Red Sea. As we know, Moses raises his staff and the Red Sea is parted and they walk through on, on dry ground and the whole army of Israel is drowned in this water. That repentance through water can bring us out of whatever we struggle with, but it is not enough to keep us out of whatever we struggle with. That we do need a living relationship with the Spirit of God who convicts, who leads and guides us into all truth and to gives, gives us access to the power of the resurrection. That it is a power that comes from us trusting God in the midst of all that we do. That our feeling guilty and feeling shameful does not move us forward into God's heart and into his kingdom, but it brings us continually backwards to this crazy <laughs> cycle of repentance that is not from the Lord. I know a lot of religions and a lot of belief systems believe that this is where we're supposed to stay in this cycle. I, I'm doing good. Everything is going good. I do bad. I, I repent. I come back and then I start over again and again and again. And Jesus short-circuited that process for us by providing us with access to a baptism that is of fire. And it doesn't mean that I don't worry about sin or I don't worry about repenting, but what it means is that I'm more concerned with the fire, to me, that looks like darkness to the world. 
And I think even in our thoughts of what happened to God in this time in the Old Testament where he seemed very angry. It was lightning and it was thunderbolts and it was death and destruction. It was the same God, but a different perspective. That what is happening to the world, it may seem like something that is going to perish. To us, it is life and it is joy. You know, Jesus is, when we see him in heaven, it's going to be like lightning bolts coming from his eyes and there's going to be thundering and all kind of craziness going on. Anybody that doesn't know Jesus is probably going to be very afraid. (laughs) This looks like some kind of Star Wars movie or something. This is wild, man. But to those who have cultivated a heart and a fire with him, it will not seem crazy whatsoever. In Hebrews 6, 1 through 8, it says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary, say elementary, say elementary, (laughs) or elementary, decides on Depends on how you pronounce it. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives a blessing of God. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. When we stay in a place of repentance, we are taking on something that Jesus has already done. The reason why I remember this verse so well is because this is something, a cycle that I used to go through in in elementary school. I would go to church on Sunday and I would get saved and then I would go home, I would go to school and I would cuss at school. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I got to get saved again. (laughs) Go back to church the next Sunday, get saved and then repeat the same cycle over and over again. And even us as humanity, we're doing that. And Jesus is like, uh, that doesn't apply anymore. That he created a different method for us. That even when you think about the Old Testament prophet who was isolated and alone and in the wilderness and listening to God themselves and very much by themselves, now God has given us a community, communion with Christ in unity through the Holy Spirit, that we are no longer in the water of repentance. This is a picture of the Grand Canyon. So I got all the trip pictures. This is just a... a, this is just a slideshow at the crib, all right? So, <laughs> This is the Grand Canyon, and 
as much as I've seen pictures of the Grand Canyon, as much as I've heard people describe being there, it is nothing compared to standing there. Because the sheer scale of it is massive. You stand at the edge and the Colorado River is a tiny little sliver at the bottom. It takes six hours to drive from end to end of the Grand Canyon. It takes four out, no, eight hours to hike down if you're inside of it. Massive. Standing there. And I'm thinking of this as our experience or our hunger for the Holy Spirit. I can describe every bit of this with my words. It's similar to our experience with the Holy Spirit, but only a hunger or a desire to experience it for yourself will go beyond mere words and a story. This is the way the refining fire of Christ is called to us. That we were not just, you know, um, reading Rainbow. You shouldn't take my word for it. You know? <laughs> Don't take my word for it. Go read the book. <laughs> LeVar Burton, you know, reading Rainbow for those. <laughs> Speaking of Rainbow... There is a song, and it's um, called, Oh, Mary, don't you weep, tell Martha not to mourn. And in the song, there's this, this passage that says, God gave Noah the rainbow sign, no more water, the fire next time. And this was an old song sang in churches, a Negro spiritual, that reminded us, that God would not be destroying the fire, the world, by water anymore. He would destroy it by fire. That this was the basis of every message on fire and brimstone. That destruction was coming, and it was going to happen not by water, but by fire. And I'm like, that's not very optimistic. And I'm an optimistic person, so... <laughs> What, what does that mean, Lord? That doesn't seem very uh, happy or joyful for us. That it's a fire next time, but also this is a cry of those who walk and move in justice. One of the great works by James Baldwin is called The Fire Next Time, purporting the judgment that's going to happen to America because of its, the great sins of slavery and the sins against black oppressed people that have never been taken care of. The fire next time. But I don't think it was the destructive fire that he was talking about, right? Remember that what looks like destruction to the world, to us, is really construction. What looks like darkness and emptiness and chaos is an opportunity for the fire of the Holy Spirit to lead us along. So the last verse I'm going to read is Peter 3, 5, and 7. This is what inspires that passage of that song. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. Say water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. You see, so the world that was created 
by water. And the flood and the deluge came along and that it was destroyed that way, formed out of water and by water. But by the same word, the present heavens are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That what looks like destruction to those who are unbelievers are really construction. And it is the fire of the Holy Spirit that brings us into his goodness. That I desire for us that we would be able to echo Jeremiah's refrain that it is like fire shut up in my bones. The word of God, my desire to share his word, to see people come to Christ, to see people disciple, to see those who are in the midst of horrible things understand how much that God loves him, that even though we have gone to the water and we've come out and that we've been dried and we have to return to repent, there is a permanent immersion in the fire of the Holy Spirit, that there is a passion that goes beyond anything that we could ever know, that water may be the standard But fire is the inheritance. So I promised an analogy. There's the analogy. If we would like to mop up the enemy, we must meditate, obey, and pray. Meditate on the word, on scriptures, on the good things that God has done in our lives, even on the testimonies that have happened um, in our vicinity, we must obey the things that God has given us to do, to walk out that still small voice that speaks to us in a way that it loves to speak to us. We must obey and we must pray because God desires nothing more, even in the midst of our sensitivity and our vulnerability in the midst of transition, but to be close to us. And that God doesn't really want to be a cop who just comes in when bad things are happening. I always think that police officers get a bad rap. They have to show up in places where usually a crime has already happened, and they got to put all these pieces together while everyone's anxiety is high. That this is not the situation God always wants to enter into our lives. He will, because it is an open door, but there is an, an opportunity for us to embrace and open our arms to him, even in the way that we are. So our prayer is that we would stir this up and move beyond mere repentance.